Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie, and on this episode, we're doing the 14th Best Picture winner, How Green Was My Valley. So this 1941 drama is a coming-of-age story that follows young Hugh Morgan and his childhood in a Welsh mining town during times of economic and political change. Yeah, that that's about the best that I could come yeah, up with. Yeah, it's, it's again one of those where it's kind of... It's not like a true epic necessarily, and that we're not talking something like Gone with the Wind proportion, but like it's spanning a number of years and it really centers on this particular nuclear family. Yes, but in a way that was much better than Cavalcade. Yeah, I would say that's probably maybe like concept wise the movie it was closest to, but I would agree, I would definitely say that this pulled it off much better. So a little bit more background, it was directed by John Ford. It is actually based on a 1939 novel by the same name. And 20th Century Fox, the studio who did it, actually wanted to shoot on location in Wales in Technicolor, but couldn't because of World War II. Oh, that would have made it so good. Right, but remember, we're talking 1941, (laughs) too. So, like, the U.S. isn't actually in World War II yet. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, Pearl Harbor doesn't happen until December of that year, so the U.S. is still very much out of it formally trying out, to of be it. out of it yeah, yeah trying to be out of it i'm glad you said that though because i'm gonna be honest I, the years of these films and the films like are completely divorced from the historical timeline of the world for me in some cases <laughs> so having that context was actually really good yeah well and i think i'll go into this a little bit more later but i think in this one you don't really see the context of world war ii but you see a lot of context of recent depression era um america And and that's something that, you know, John Ford, so the previous year he had Grapes of Wrath, which he won the Academy Award for Best Director for, and Mm -hmm. which was up there for a nomination. And there's some, if you've seen Grapes of Wrath, there are some, definitely some similarities in that it's focused on like a working class family and really like their struggles and their plight. Um, This is also supposedly Clint Eastwood's favorite movie. Interesting. I read that online. I don't, like, I haven't confirmed it, but if so, I think that's very interesting and Kind of weirdly makes sense to me. Um, Let's see. Other Academy Awards and nominations that this won. So John Ford won for Best Director. He This was his third Best Director, and he's actually became the first to win in consecutive years. Again, he won oh, for nice. Grapes of Wrath previously. Donald Crisp won for Best Supporting Actor. He played the dad, which I totally agree with. It won for Best Black and White Cinematography, also 100% agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, what else? It also won for <laughs> the name of this award, Best Black and White Art Direction Interior Decoration. It's very specific. Well, la dee da It was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, Sarah Allgood was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. She played the mother. Also yep. very much agree with that. Well, wait, who were the non-supporting actors and actresses in this film then i well the main actor would have been roddy mcdowell as hugh Hugh, yeah um or potentially they would have considered uh walter pigeon maybe who played the pastor they might have considered yeah griffith they might have considered him interesting the main actor i don't marina o'hara could have i guess potentially been considered the main actress she's just she was a big name yeah it just i don't know the the characters in this felt very it's very much an ensemble exactly yeah exactly. no i agree um best film editing was another nomination also best music scoring of a dramatic picture i agree with that i love the way it was scored and i love the way they incorporated the i'm assuming traditional welsh tunes into it hopefully <laughs> yeah i mean i would just, i would assume so 
I don't see why they wouldn't. And the way yeah. they changed it throughout the film, I want to. Yeah, yeah well, talk and about they were too. super attentive to detail because since they couldn't shoot on location, they actually built a replica of, an, on eighty acres of land, built a replica of a Welsh mining town, like oh, near the Santa Monica Mountains. So, like they, it seems to me like they were pretty interested in the authenticity. So that's why I would mm-hmm. guess that they probably were traditional. Um, also nominated for best sound recording, so that's a total of ten nominations. Is that a record at this point? No, Gone with the Wind got 10. Oh. Other, uh, oh, this was also the first year documentaries were included in the Academy Awards. And other Best Picture nominees were Blossoms of the Dust, Citizen Kane, Here Comes Mr. Jordan, Hold Back the Dawn, The Little Foxes, The Maltese Falcon, One Foot in Heaven, Sergeant York, and Suspicion. I have seen two of them and fallen asleep during another one multiple times. Which one, Maggie? I have fallen asleep during Citizen Kane multiple times. Don't at me, people. I got thoughts on Citizen Kane, but that's not what this episode is about. Thankfully Bringing back for Lola's me. hot takes. Thankfully for me, that is not the movie we watched. Um, so I won't really be talking about that here. Okay. Sounds good. So moving good. on to how green was my valley, why don't we just move on into watch notes? Absolutely. So I'm going to be honest. When I first started watching this movie, I hated it. I know. And you know why I Ian hated it? He started texting me and he was like, I hate this movie. And then I started watching it later that night and I was like, I love this movie. What are you talking about? Okay. But the thing so is... So spoiler for our, our list. <laughs> the opening monologue felt so preachy. There is a lot of it voiceover. It was so preachy. Oh, I didn't find this preachy at all. I thought it was. I did not find any of this like, preachy. Whoa, is the new No, age. no, no, I don't no, 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 no. I totally disagree. Okay. Sorry, we're going to start this disagreement out like super fast. No, no, no. It was not woe is the new age. To me, it was completely a commentary on when you are younger and everything seems so good and you kind of miss the larger machinations of the universe that are happening around you. And so in your mind, you were like, this was the idyllic past. And then, like I said, it's a coming of age story. So the whole thing is going from the idea of this quote perfect childhood in this world where everything's right and then slowly having to grow up and realize the stuff that's wrong and realize the harsh realities and it is symbolized by the industrialization of that town by you start the out with the beautiful yep, and, yep you start out with the beautiful well the very first shot is actually of like the i guess current quote current day town mm-hmm. where you've got like the giant slag heaps and it's just really dark and like there's coal everywhere and there's no green um you know contrasting when he's a kid the valley starting off so green and then slowly and slowly the coal mines start to take over it mm-hmm. so i 100 percent disagree of the idea that really honestly any of this is preachy okay again this is john ford we're talking about working man's director at least to the beginning of his career <laughs> he later supported nixon i googled a lot of stuff last night while i was watching this um yeah i was very sad when i found out that he later um sort of kind of left some of that behind but well at least okay. the era this movie sits in very much uh yeah so i like that reading a lot more for the people and that makes the whole thing a lot better for okay me. thank you <laughs> well and that no that was the thing though because i was just kind of like okay what, I will are, agree. what are we doing here i will agree that there is a lot of voiceover at the beginning yeah. and the very beginning i didn't mind it so much like when we're you know it's the older yeah. hugh walking through the town um, and I actually really liked that sequence because the way the camera would switch angles and it would take kind of these really like sharp off angles and then it would go between like wide shot into close, like extreme close up. Yeah. And I kind of liked the jarring nature of that. I thought it 
fit very well with kind of that idea of this is kind of the ugly thing that the town has become. Yeah, it's almost spooky. Yeah. It, well, and the lighting was really well yes. well put together yes. in that so, scene, too. Um, I, I really liked that. I didn't mind the voiceover there, but the voiceover definitely carries into kind of the flashback, which is the rest of the film, really. Yeah. And it carries over into, I'd say, I don't know, maybe the first 20 to 30 minutes of that part of the flashback. It, it was a, a while. Well, yeah. not quite that far because I'm like, I'm admitting that I watched this in multiple sittings, but the first half hour that we had already gotten past oh, okay. the lake and everything. But okay. if but it felt like 30 minutes. I, the voiceover, <laughs> the heavy voiceover lasted long enough for me to get a little tired of it. Yeah. Um, they definitely drop that though later in the film. Like, Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They did pick it up. Well, no, they didn't pick it up in the end as so much they turned it into monologue, well, which yes, and I was still okay were, with that. There still were voiceovers throughout, but then they started using them more sparingly. I think it was a little bit of like a data dump as oh, far as like yeah. introducing like, you to characters and stuff. Yeah, although I do have to say I like the way they introduced all the brothers and the father at the coal mine pay window. Yes. And they were picking up their pay. So each brother goes through and they like say their name and give them their pay. So you got an idea of like age and kind of hierarchy within the family based mm-hmm. on the level of their wage. Well, and you very firmly root the family in this coal mining working class mm-hmm. sort of, uh, I guess, socioeconomic strata. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I also like that. And then the scene of all of the coal miners singing down the hill, mm-hmm. very jollily coming home. So, Which is contrast, you know, over and over again with the different occasions in which you have kind of these group songs. Yeah. So I actually am curious, and if we happen to have any listeners in Wales, I really want to know if singing is a thing. <laughs> well, I'm sure singing. I'm sure singing's a thing. Well, no, singing's like singing down but... the hill as a group from the coal mine. Yeah, if we know any listeners who are coal miners from the 1930s, please <laughs> write in. <laughs> hey, you never know. I don't know. Maybe someone's relative was. But yeah, we get them introduced, then we get them home. Well, we get an idea that there is a pretty, at least at the beginning, a very strict hierarchy within the family. Yes. So it's like you have the father in the wash tub who is king of his castle. I have to say, there was one line that I rolled my eyes so hard at. And I mean, it's a product of its time. I know this. It's a movie made in 1941. It's set in a coal mining village. Okay, but what was the line? Because I'm about... (laughs) Also, just going to say, I'm not 100% clear what year this movie's set in. I'm my guess is 20s or 30s. Eh, sounds right. Okay. Um, the line was, if my father was the head of my family, my mother was the heart. Roll my eyes. Well, and also it was pretty evident later on that that wasn't all Well, true. I think if you, if you substitute the word for like the heart of the family as like the driving emotional force of the family, then yes. But like got the mom, I loved the mom. Oh no, she was great. She was so she good. She was a firecracker and actually did stuff. Well, but- she was she was layered too. She was yeah. a, a nice like kind of layered character Um, because I think, you know, kind of the risk you run with a large ensemble cast because in this family, you have the mother, the father, four or five, 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 five so- sons. Well, five sons and then Hugh. So oh, I thought it was five, son. including Sue. Sue, who, Hugh? No, I think it's five because there's the eldest, Ivor, that... Yanto, the two that leave for America, and the other one that stays. Hugh. No, 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 and then Hugh. Because everybody leaves except Hugh. No, so two leave, and then two leave, one dies. Two get fired. Fi- no, two leave, one dies, two get fired, and leave. Oh yeah, and yeah. Then, okay, thank you. Yeah. I, yep. 
Yeah. Okay. So there's five. See, it's five, hard to remember all these. Really, characters. six. Son- okay. So mother, father, six sons, counting Hugh, daughter, daughter, sister-in-law, well, slash yeah. daughter-in-law. Um, and then of course you have like the preacher, who's a major character, and then you have like a couple other sort of, I would say like heavy minor characters that Plot you like devices. get to know pretty. Well, there are a couple of them, though, that I was like, this character is a delight, and I love them. Um, the boxer? Yes. Mm-hmm. love the boxer. Um, but, so, it, you know, it's a heavy cast, so the fact that you kind of get these really strong senses of character for, I would say, a lot of that main family. Yeah. The sons... The- I'm going to be honest here. I think the sons, think, other than Hugh, could have been I almost one character except them, for I think there's the two of them. I would say the second eldest, too. He's the one who has the um, political disagreements with the father. Okay, yeah. So I and would that's because we get to see more of them. Basically, the two other sons I was able to name. <laughs> um, and the rest just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Um, and that you, but you, you know what I'm saying. Where mm-hmm. like the idea that there was actually a lot of them that you got a fairly strong sense of character from, I think, is pretty impressive from a writing standpoint. Yeah, and it was good. Yeah, I did also appreciate that when they walked in the home, the mother pulled all of their wages in and was like, "Nope." Oh, I love, I love that where she I has her apron wage. out and they drop the um, wages in her apron, and then it's all collected in a box, and then. Um, you know, when some of the sons leave later, they ask for their share of right. the wages. Um, and though I have to say, when they were doling out the spending money, I was like, like the fucking nine-year-old gets spending money and poor Marino O'Hara is just standing over there in the corner and we don't give her anything. I mean, I was thinking it too. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Though I will have to say, I, you know, there are a couple criticisms I have of this movie. And one is that I think Marino O'Hara was underutilized. Like oh, there were, absolutely. There she were multiple... shined... Oh, sorry. I lost oh, you sorry. There were thought. just multiple times when I was like, give her more lines. Because I love Maureen O'Hara. She's great. Yeah. Well, and it's like, even in um in her scenes with the preacher, it's like, he talked and she listened. There's a couple, though. Like, later when I think... You got a couple little, not monologues, but like, I don't know, like little speeches from her. And mm. she killed it every time. Yeah. Like in the, the Evans house. With her little brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like that part, I really loved her performance in and she had something to do yeah, with Yeah, I the think material. she was just underutilized. And I, you know, I think she did a great job, but I will say, like, this character was so much more meek than what I'm used to seeing from Maureen O'Hara. We'll have to watch, like, <laughs> The Quiet Man or something, and then you can see, like, true Maureen O'Hara, but it's a glorious sight to behold. Instead of just glamour shot Maureen O'Hara. <laughs> glamour shot, silent Maureen O'Hara. Um, so that would be like kind of one of my main criticisms is that I think that character was a little underwritten and they underutilized that actress because like, mm-hmm. like I think the daughter-in-law slash sister-in-law Bronwyn, I thought she was actually well-written. Like well, you don't get to see yeah. like a ton of her. But her lines were good. But and yeah, her lines are good. She performs you, important mm-hmm. functions as a character. And well, and you get these little asides, like the first time she comes over, she brings over like shortbread Yeah. for uh, Hugh. Yeah. And so it's just these little like, okay, we know you're a really sweet person. And then we get some more fleshed out when her husband mm-hmm. dies. And, and you it, get that she's like, you know, very caring, but she's also kind of funny and like. And independent. Yeah. Honestly. Well, and I love the part where, um, you know, we're skipping ahead a little bit but there. And we'll go more into this. I think when we talk a little bit yeah. about kind of some of the politics in the movie. Um, but there's a part where Hugh is bedridden and the doctor says he's never going to walk again. And she like, ooh lights into him and it's like don't say that when you can hear him or when he can hear you yeah like how dare you and then of course she goes back to you and she's like don't listen to him so like 
you know, stuff like that I really liked from her. And mm-hmm. I kind of wish we'd just seen a little bit more of that, like, layeredness in yeah. the sister's character. Whose name I'm not going to say because, guys, straight up, these names. Okay, hold they on. They are Welsh I have names. it in my notes. I just have to see it written down. And I, I think it's, like, Enharid. Enharid, yes. Enharid. I, it, it's not a language it's, They're very I, Welsh. <laughs> capable of really speaking well so same, yeah if we same. if we are butchering names like please so excuse sorry. us we're gonna try though i will probably be just saying marino hara a lot but yeah so we get that first introductory scene and we see them at dinner and you start to get the sense that well i got a little bit of like piousness from the father and from the family but yeah it makes sense ultimately it gets fleshed out in that it's not just in appearance but they actually are mm-hmm. good people which is really good to see yeah but i think the main major event that happens um after this point is the marriage it's the marriage first and then the pay cut correct yes so okay. we have bronwen marrying the oldest brother Ivor or Ivor? Ivor. Ivor. Yes. Um, and uh, it's performed by the new preacher. Yes. Who, the minute he and Marino Hera lock her eyes. She's making eyes. You can see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I really loved when he came connection. in the room and everybody like froze and we're like, oh my God, should we be drinking and having fun and doing yeah, all this crazy stuff? Yeah, because there's this giant raucous party afterwards. And, and yeah, like the mom's like showing her fancy new petticoat yes. that she got for and she's the like, wedding. Oh geez, and, you're here now. Let me not. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh God, should we be drinking preachers here? But I, after seeing the end of this film and how the preacher stormed out because of the false like... Well, the hypocrisy in the church that he was seeing, like this scene makes so much more sense. It's almost yeah. like the people that were invited to the party are like, here's who we really are and what we really do. But then as soon as the religious aspect is put in, it's like, we're, oh, we're, we're being a horrible person people. of authority. Like, you know, I would consider probably in that community because mm-hmm. we are talking about a time and a place that would have been probably very religious yeah so you know anytime because you see a little bit too when like the head of the owner of the mine comes in and like his son comes in to talk to the dad Mm -hmm. where like the dad is standing in his own house while like they get to sit right and And so like like, propriety and like we saw a very strict hierarchy within the family there's obviously a very strict hierarchy within this town and within the society so i think like a preacher would kind of be like at a certain level of authority at least morally oh yeah Um, well and that's exactly my point (laughs) and so yeah exactly so then they all kind of draw back and they're like uh and he immediately embraces it yeah which he starts drinking i think yeah i think when it's Anharid who brings him a drink Um, that's great yeah so it's and then they have this beautiful little moment where everyone's singing and you get them like duetting it together and like yes being adorable now i will say to back up just a little bit I I had some problems with how they blocked some of the scenes in the house. So the one specific one that stands out is when Bronwyn and Eve Evar, yeah, eldest sure. brother, yep. are like Mr. standing Bronwyn. there facing all of the brothers, and all the brothers are in there like I, I don't know the way they. I didn't happened, understand what was going on. I, was I it like it was, a wedding? I think that, they were just the introducing thing. the brothers to her. Well, and then they made right? Hugh leave the room. Which I, I didn't like, understand. I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, but that. For a movie that had done so well otherwise using these cramped small spaces, I was just like, this is really how you cho- chose to do that scene? That was just, like I, I said, that's just kind of a weird scene. Like, I didn't fully understand what it was for. 
Yeah. Well, and I couldn't see any of the brothers, and they blocked the parents, and like, okay, maybe we're supposed to focus on Braun and Ivar, but it didn't work for me. Um, But yeah, so we get the the raucous wedding, and then we're sort of introduced to kind of this new conflict into the town, which is that the miners are getting wage cuts, Mm -hmm. and... um, Basically. I did not like that transition, I will say. Because you go, it was just like a hard cut straight into the sign of So how would you have done it? Like, that's Because at the thing. same time, though, it's like, I don't need an extraneous transition scene if it's not going to actually do anything for me. Did you want to like a soft fade in? Uh, sure. No. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm like almost like a, not a the next morning sort of scene, but like, Okay, everybody's oh, I didn't take it as the next one. Well, I was thinking like you could do something like, okay, the party's done. Why don't we have everybody singing up the hill again? And then all of a sudden you have the revelation. Okay, that's that, fair enough. Because that seemed like that would have been one, more impactful, and two, like I mean, it, more in that keeping, doesn't bother me. Like a like a choppier cut me. doesn't bother me, honestly. <laughs> um, especially if I'm like, okay, I'm done with this scene. I understood what it told me. Like, next one. <laughs> Um, so yeah. I'm like, no, I need good transitions. <laughs> uh, it doesn't bother me. I consider it a chapter break. Like it's a, a movie. They shouldn't have chapter breaks. Unless they're four hours long. <laughs> <laughs> and have an intermission. <laughs> yeah. That's what your intermission is. Yeah, but no, I, I consider it kind of like a chapter break. Well, remember, this was adapted from a book. Fair. So I will I will give it that. Yeah. I still in all of the faults no, I'm pointing out. And I think I think the singing up the hill would have been a fine transition. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um Uh, But this starts to lead to rifts in the family, which was interesting to see. And so basically the context around this is that um, there were, it was like a factory or was it like a steelworks, I think Uh, they said? A steelworks had shut down in a, in like the next valley over. And really quickly, can I tell you, the reason I thought that the coal mine was having to like cut wages is because demand was down, not because there was more workers. Because <laughs> apparently I'm, I work in supply chain or something. Coal demand was not down until yeah, the 1980s when Margaret Thatcher broke the coal unions. I actually know, okay, I know a weird amount about like mining history, especially in the UK. Huh. Yep. <laughs> well. This was pre-union. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this, well, or it's kind of right at the beginning of the idea of unions coming about, but it's yeah. obviously pre-kind of Labor Party mm-hmm. and um, that sort of liberalization that occurred at the end of World War II. So yeah. um, there really aren't legal protections for workers in the UK at that time. Like, yeah. There just there weren't a lot of protection, so you know the father is saying it's just a few shillings. Like we're still going to be fine um, because the steelworks shut down, and so there are all these people who don't have work and they're willing to work for a much lower wage. And of yep. course, you don't have any sort of minimum wage law or anything like that. So the mine owners are like, we're just going to do some wage cuts. Um, and the brothers, particularly, I think it's the second oldest brother, yes. Yonto. I think I think so. it's Yonto. Um, kind of sees the writing on the wall and sees like kind of what that trend could be. Yep. Um, because you know, the, the father's, I, I would say he never explicitly says this, but it's the vibe of a little bit more like faith in the institution. Oh, he absolutely gives that. Cause the, the brothers are like, we have to do something about right. this. And, we have and to their, their solution. Well, their solution is unionized because yeah. again, there is no legal protections for the workers, so unionizing will provide them that protection that they lack. Um, right. And actually, interesting. So, 
we'll probably cut this, but the coal <laughs> unions in the UK actually became insanely strong. Um, some of like the strongest unions you've ever seen. Um, Interesting. Yeah. They had a very a much stronger union culture than we ever had here in the US. I mean, that doesn't surprise yeah. me. So, the, but the brothers are like, you know, we should unionize. This will mm-hmm. provide us the protections. And, you know, if it leads to a strike, it leads to a strike. And that causes a big rift with the dad. And that's, okay, this is where I was kind of like, I'm not, I wasn't sure how I felt about the scene at dinner. I where love all this of the brothers. Scene, well, I love the way it went down because it's all of the brothers being like, we will speak our mind even though we're in your house. Because yeah. the father basically, basically tries to shut him yes, down. Yes, because he's like, you can't talk like that in my house. And the brother's like, well, then I'll leave the house. And they do. Yeah. And the father was nice about it. Like, okay, go get your clothes and leave. I mean, as well, nice he, as he could he, At first he starts to be like, don't worry. Like, just sit down. We'll not talk about it. And then the brothers are like, no, we're going to talk about this because this is important. And it, yeah. I feel like anybody who's ever had an argument with their parents over, you know, kind of when you're like just becoming an adult and your parents very much are like still thinking of you as a child and the first time you disagree with them and try and really argue your point and they're like, you don't know what you're talking about and you're like, excuse me, but I do. (laughs) Let me get out my statistics that I've prepared. PowerPoint Um, presentation, (laughs) 10 slides long. (laughs) Yeah. With a 20 slide appendix. Oh, jeez. But uh, so, you know, I think, like, I, I don't know. I think that's a very, like, universal scene. Mm-hmm. But I just, I loved the way it was shot. I loved all the dialogue in it. I loved the performances in it. And I love at the very end, so he was Hugh the coughs. only one sitting at the table. Yeah. And he kind of coughs to kind of get his dad's attention. And I, I wrote down this line where he says, yes, my son, I know you are there. And he just says, it. the the delivery of yeah, the father's like lines were all sweet, so good. but not sweet. But sad. I don't yeah. It was sad, too. Um. It was like so sweet to Hugh, but he's obviously sad that his other sons are mm-hmm. gone. And I, I just the way that line was delivered, and the way so many of those lines were delivered, I absolutely it was good. loved them. Yeah, they were just it was so real. Yeah. So after this point, we kind of move into this little bit of a montage of what the town is devolving into because apparently it was a twenty-two week strike. Yeah. Which, holy crap. So the strike happens. And it goes into winter. Yes. But one thing that I loved that they did is you have the town at the beginning prior to the strike that's really bright and cheery and everybody's like, well, singing down the mm-hmm. hill. The strike really is the turning point and kind of right. the entire vibe of the piece. And the way you see the town changes drastically to match it, which I loved. Mm-hmm. So you get this like creepy... You get more night scenes. Demon Barbara Fleet Street sort of vibes (laughs) yeah no it really does um Um, and you know the father of course is against the strike he's probably like spoken out against a little bit mm -hmm. i i don't think he was like working in spite of the strike i don't think he was at like strike breaker level or anything but like you said it was faith in the institution right but like you know and he had obviously been a pretty big voice in the community so people are really Mm -hmm. mad at him they like throw a brick through his window and basically this is when we absolutely Ah, fall in love with the mom comes out i have a no, that's just like go, Mama Morgan, um, <laughs> because she decides like no, like we're we're not doing this, and she goes up to where the people who are striking meet every mm-hmm. night. And I loved the way this was shot. It's like her up on this rock, and it's like the snow whipping around her, and she's got like her kerchief around her, and she's basically just telling them like what's what and being like, "How dare you?" I will you? kill you with my own hands if you harm my husband. Yes, yeah, like it's so and good. You believed her, um, and <laughs> as she leaves. She not only pushes through her sons who left the house, um, but she also, she she has Hugh with her. And I 
Just quick aside. Hugh has so few lines. He gets more toward the end. He does, but especially looking so few lines. Still loved Roddy McDowell's performance, though. Very expressive. I didn't like it until he was bedridden, and then I was on board. Okay. Well, he's about to get bedridden, because, as I was saying, (laughs) uh, Hugh and his mom are, like, going down the hill, and they fall through some ice, and they're in the cold water, and people fish them out, and they are bedridden. This is when the doctor gives the diagnosis that Hugh will never walk again, which Mm -hmm. it took them a very long time to say what had happened to the mom. And I I thought she died. I did, too. I was worried. I was very worried. Um. It's because a certain someone's show kills off everybody. Stop. Not the world isn't George R. R. Martin, Ian. It's not. Don't get me started. Anyway. Um, she she did not die. Yes, she, she don't don't worry, guys. She's fine. She's fine. <laughs> um but that's when you have the doctor saying he'll never walk again within Hughes hearing and um Bronwyn This is this is when we got Mama Bear. Yes. Bronwyn gets Mama Bear, which I loved. And then this is I think the scene where I really decided that I liked the preacher. Like, I liked him before, but this is the scene where I was like, I am on board with this character. I am on board with him and Maureen O'Hara being in love. Like, I'm on board. Um, because he brings a book. Did you? Treasure Island. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Because he brings Treasure Island over to Hugh, and he's basically like, you heard the doctor. And he's like, yes. And um, this is, again, where we had the beautiful performance from Ronnie McDowell. Because I think his only lines in that scene were just, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Um but he delivered them so well and his little puppy dog face had me like tearing okay, up. But Griffith's line there. about, I, it, it was something along the lines of, Basically, I would wish like, to be bedridden to be able to read this book again for the first time. When he started that sentence, I was like, watch yourself. But yeah. I liked, I liked the way he finished it. It was, mm-hmm. it was the idea that he was basically told Hugh, he was like, you know, the doctor said you won't walk again. Did you hear that? Or like, did you hear the doctor? And he's like, yes, sir. And he's like, do you want to walk again? And he was like, yes, sir. And he's like, okay, then you will walk again. And it made me so mad when the doctor said that too. Cause I was, it's, it's the idea of like, even if it is a hopeless situation with something like that, like give him a little hope. Like, yeah, no need to quell, quash all possibility. If the legs are still there. <laughs> well, in, in, that, in that day and age. Right. Yeah. And exactly. Like, it's not like they had x-ray machines or anything. Like, you know. Did they have x-ray machines? Actually, they might have. It's not like in that small Welsh mining town. <laughs> they had an x-ray machine. Um, but anyway, so the preacher, really, he gives him hope. And, I, mm-hmm. and then he kind of takes his mind off of it by being like this wonderful book. And then you see kind of the shot of like the books kind of stacking yep. up on the windowsill. But you get this scene as well with... Uh, uh, Maureen O'Hara, um, cannot remember her name again, where she has a short interaction. Was this? Oh, yeah. She thinks the preacher. Yes. And you see how she looks out the window at him as he's like, and, and Bronwyn catches it. And, and she like smiles a little yes. bit while she's reading to uh, Hugh. And that, that is, was just the, so sweet. So the dialogue in this movie was very good, but there wasn't a ton of it. There was a lot of scenes that didn't have a lot of dialogue and it was kind of kept to a minimum and I really liked that but then oops, and I really liked that but then the shots would also kind of linger mm-hmm. and let you see people's reactions and they did a nice job of layering things yeah. like there's a shot in particular that I'll talk about later that the way they like layered the foreground and the background of the shot I really loved did it involve the lift no but I loved every oh, okay. shot of the lift too yeah <laughs> um but yeah, so basically it's, you know, putting that idea of 
hope in Hugh. And that's when we found out the mom's okay, too. They're just, like, using sticks to... Because she's upstairs and he's downstairs. And they're just using sticks to, like, beat on the ceiling and the floor to talk to each other. (laughs) But we do get this transition into spring. And I'm going to be honest. The scene where the birds jump in the window, I'm like, okay, is Hugh fucking Snow White or something? Yeah. Um, (laughs) But that's when the mother starts to walk again. Yeah, the mother starts to walk again. Hugh still isn't walking. And... There's a nice bit around here where um, I think the preacher makes a a statement to Yanto about like not having seen him in church recently, and well, and basically Yanto gives this little speech to the preacher that's kind mm-hmm. of around the idea of like he's struggling with his spirituality because like the workers are suffering and then the church wants to say like that's God's will and kind of struggling with that hierarchy, that very traditional church hierarchy that had been in place for a long time. And then kind of this like new sort of labor movement that's coming through and kind of the ideas that are clashing with that. And was this the scene where he basically verges on the socialism? Yeah. And some people freaked out about it. People are like, it's socialist. Sorry. Just, Yeah. Um, no, that was. But I love the preacher's response. Yes, because the preacher's response is so good, isn't that he's basically like, um, it's, it's about the union. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, um, kind of basically like, I understand your point, but remember, with a union becomes great power, and with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. And I and I like that he specifically says, "Don't answer injustice with injustice. Injustice needs to be answered with justice." And I like I liked that response because it's not like a he's not putting them back in their place or anything. He's just being like, remember also like this thing that's important. Like I understand your point and I agree there should be justice, but like be careful how you go about it right. kind of deal. Um and then yeah, and then the one like I'm assuming like they're like a mill foreman or some some top notch top brass person at the mill He's or at the, the mine that is like that's socialist oh yeah. god I the, the deacon thingamabob <gasps> what, yes what because i think that's it? the next thing i have to talk about oh yeah the scene well, where first, they cast first we have two of the brothers first we have two of the brothers leave yeah because they can't um, get jobs at the mine anymore right no those two brothers just decide they're going to go to america Oh. Yeah, the first two decide they're going to America, and the mom recently has started walking again, and you have everyone come down and, like, sing to her. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, because the strike is done at that yeah. point, right? Yeah, and that was where Griff had wormed his way into her heart, because he was leading them down. Yeah, and um, <laughs> there's a really beautiful... I love the line, too, where she goes, I don't know what to say, and the father is just like, mm, you did last time you talked to them. Um, yes. but, uh, and while everyone's kind of singing and stuff, those two brothers sneak away. I didn't like that exit. I actually liked it cause it was a really pretty shot. And that's one of the good foreground background shots because it had Marino hair and Bronwyn yeah. in the foreground and then you just see them walk. But it was like, pretty, but it was also like, why are you just sneaking out the back door? Cause they didn't want, they already said their goodbye and they didn't want to make it harder. I was fine with it. Long goodbyes are my jam. God. <laughs> But yeah, so anyway, then we go to the church service. Anyway. Um, yeah, because I got like basically one more page after this. Yeah. Um, so we have this church service where basically Ugh. we have that deacon's meeting. And the, though they characterize this character so well. Like, 
the way he she talks is, is slimy. The oh. way he's he oh, I thought you meant the, the woman who was cast out. But yes, oh no, yes. the slimy deacon guy. But there's like a meeting of the deacons. You can, you, I like that you can tell every time the preacher's like, and we're going to have a meeting <laughs> of the deacons. That he's like not pleased about it. Um, but basically, they like want to cast this woman out of the community, and mm-hmm. like we need to isolate her because she had a kid out of wedlock. And Marino Harrett, this was the bit where I was yes. like, this is why we need to give her more lines. She stands up and basically lets them know what's what and storms out of that building. And I like that the dad is about to go after her and be like, hey, now basically telling her the not to buck like, the system. Yeah, down. and the mom's just like, sit down. Sit your ass down. Which I, I absolutely loved that. But then, of course, the preacher goes after her and they basically have this big confrontation where she's like, you know, how can you let them talk to her like that? Like, what has she done that's so terrible? Like, yeah. You don't understand what it's like to be in that position. And basically, it's it's like a little mini feminist speech, and I loved it. Yeah. No, it was good. I was a fan. And then she goes and runs after her, presumably to comfort the the poor woman yeah. who was just publicly humiliated, yeah. like nobody's business. So that was good. I was happy for that. And you get to see like a nice little building of their relationship, and we got to see some life out of her character. Thank um, goodness. Yeah. But of course, um, is that when... Is that when she and the preacher have like that chat and she's like. Well, they have a chat sometimes, so we can talk about it, but okay. it's very clear. Um, it's very clear that they love each other, but they yes. do have. No, this, that was post engagement. That is post engagement. When he turns on the lamp and she's there. Yeah. Yeah. Post engagement. Okay, never mind. So I thought it was before we get there, we get this really awkward scene between the mill for the mill owner and father oh it's so comedic though it, it's great because he's sitting the father is sitting there soaking his feet with his pants rolled up reading his newspaper yeah, no socks on and he's just like eh, it's fine and then he's yelling back and forth with mom and she had some really good one-liners here it's like go scratch or something yeah. like that he was basically calling him a chicken basically in the <laughs> 1941 movie equivalent of fuck off exactly yeah. but nicer and they get a knock at the door and he's like who the hell is this and is all grumpy 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 and then he opens it and sees who it is and is like holy shit hold on the mine owner i think we keep saying mill but it is a mine it's it's a mine mine. sorry if we messed that up um Um, and i loved how this was going back to what you said maggie about the rigid social structures mm -hmm. he sits down the father's like why are you here and this was the best. It's like, I would like your permission Shins, to have, have my, my son, son come and talk to you about having the per- your permission to talk court to your daughter. Yeah. It was like the most convoluted yeah. set of thought. Like, it was like, great. Y'all, this is why it's ridiculous that people need people's permission to like talk to other people. Talk to other people. Yeah. <laughs> All the only person whose permission you need is the person you want to talk to. Which great line there in a minute yeah um because then so then the father is like he kind well, of puts on like a little bit of like a tough guy actor. He's like, exactly I don't like know. let me like, think about it first yeah which though i have to say i found this whole like setup a little unbelievable that yeah that the, the mi- mine owner would talk to a miner's well, di- that, i don't know or that i mean i think if we maybe had seen some interaction with merino hair and obviously merino hair is gorgeous uh-huh um, but seeing some interaction with her and the miner's son, then like maybe it would make a little bit more sense. But the idea that the mine owner would be like, yeah, I'm okay with my son maybe marrying the daughter of a miner. Cause like it's, it's, you know, Mr. Morgan's not the foreman. Like I'd say yeah. he's probably a leader of the community, but, but he's a miner. Like at all. He's yeah. It just seems she's very weird. pretty. 
maybe that's it seemed it. very weird to me or maybe in such just... a strict social strata yeah i agree Maybe the son is just super spoiled and gets whatever he wants. Sure. I do kind of like the mine owner. He was a little bumbling and oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like <laughs> well, that in an industrialist. I liked it because it made him seem out of place in the house, which is exactly how made, he should have It also have made him kind of likable and also really contrasted with his son. Yeah. Very true. Um, Who was like cold and stoic. Yeah. And... He's, he's definitely colder. Um, not like mean or anything, but just but cold. colder, which I kind of liked the idea because Basically, and Harid and the son do get married, and then, you know, there's, like, rumors about, like, divorce, and, like, she's having oh, the affair with the preacher. But and... again, Maureen O'Hare is... We'll, we'll talk about it more. Oh, but... okay. At the marriage scene, because that's what Yeah. I... Yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that. But, like, I just want to make this point real quick, is that I like that the marriage falls apart, like... Like, it's not like he's mean to her. Like, it's not, like, some idea that, they like, don't care they're awful people, or that either one of them is awful... Yeah. But just that, like, the marriage isn't working. Mm-hmm. And I kind of liked that, that, like, you have an example of maybe a marriage that isn't working that isn't because one of the two people in it's a monster. Yeah. 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 That it's just kind of like sometimes it doesn't work. And that felt more realistic, at least. Yeah, for sure. So, um, but then we get this scene after the, oh, what is it? Um, I, Was this the scene where the, I, I can't remember. I, again, with this ensemble cast, I cannot always yeah. remember how we got into these different scenes but in this general well, it's, and it's a very film, much like a vignette structured yeah. movie um you can walk again now i believe yeah had a beautiful scene with griffith the preacher a field of flowers uh, yeah yeah it was it's very sweet it very sweet maybe a little trite but very sweet yeah <laughs> but there's a scene in the kitchen with um on uh, say it for me Unharid. Unharid, thank you and uh griffith where he comes in, helps her with some of the oven. Well, it's a, a I presume a wood or coal fired oven. So he's like putting some coal mm. in to make it go. And he's like, oh, here it's fine. And she's like, oh, no, let me get you some soap and whatever. And so she, he's like, don't bother. But she does it anyway. Um, and it's like, I will be a queen in my kitchen. Yeah. And then his response is, you will be a queen wherever you want. I know. And, and that face. was so sweet. And he's like, I shouldn't have said that. Exactly. She's like, mm, sad. But. I, it was something like, I didn't have the permission to say that. But the oh, line yeah. that I love that she responds mm-hmm. is, if it is mine to give you, have it. Oh, it was so sweet. So again, I writing. love their interactions. Yeah, and they're right. The their interactions are so good. Um, but yeah, so anyway, they basically, basically, we kind of like fast forward a bit to, well, we have the scene with them in the kitchen, too, or not in her kitchen, but in, in his, his little kitchen. parsonage. Yeah. So he walks in, turns on the lamp, and she's just there. Which, one, I loved that reveal because mm-hmm. it just made her seem so crafty and with it that, like, this was a side of her that I don't think we had quite seen yeah. yet. Um, and she's basically, why are you ignoring me? You don't look at me well, the she's same. Like, she's like, what happened? Yeah. And, of course, she thinks it's something that she did. Always. And she's like, you know, why has, like, the way you behave towards me changed? And basically mm-hmm. he agrees that he also loves her but then this was such a bullshit excuse he is like basically like i can't provide for you and i don't want to see you like dressed in rags and stuff and i was like she's a coal miner's daughter like like they're doing fine but obviously. she wasn't dressed in rags i know true but like they're doing fine because they had you know six people working in the mine living in you know in the house. Like, they're, yeah. like they're not like terribly poor they're, not, they're like, working class yeah they're working class but i was at the same time i was like she's also not rolling in dough yeah and as we established earlier, she doesn't even get spending money. So, <laughs> you know, like she might have been a little bit 
for sure. But like, I like I don't know. Like, I, I didn't like that. It it wasn't like she was a duchess being like, right. I want to be a small town like preacher's yeah. wife. But I love the way the lighting played into that scene because you have him turn on the light. She's there, and then on their way out. Both of them are standing just inside this circle of light from the lamp mm-hmm. and they're having their conversation, get some beautiful close-up shots of both of them, which was this the Vaseline on the lens trick? Because she was definitely very soft and ethereal while he, you could see like every chiseled line in his face. Maybe. I don't know, but it was, that was interesting. But then you see the conversation end and she steps out of the circle of the light. And well, and they leaves. actually, I kind of want to talk about their kiss a little bit too, because it's just very small and very sweet. But uh-huh. like, it kind of also like seals the deal of like this relationship isn't going to happen, yeah. or at least at that time isn't going to happen, and that like she obviously kind of has made a decision. Yeah. yeah. Well, and my thing too with that, I was which just I thinking... actually I don't like that he said something where he was like, I need to like. It's my duty to you not to marry you because you uh, wouldn't be bullshit. as well off. And I was like, it's her decision. She knows what she's getting into. <laughs> but I, in that kiss, all I could think was, oh, God, we're going to have another deacon's meeting. I was like, no, which we will been I was kind of on the money, but yeah, not for the reasons yeah. that we thought. <laughs> well, kind of, though. Um, but, like, yeah. um, but then we get into the marriage scene, mm-hmm. which I loved her performance as she's coming out of the church because she's stony-faced. Everybody else is like at least moderately jubilant. And there's still a little bit of tension between that family and the rest of the town because the father says something about like, well, aren't you going to sing for my daughter's wedding? And then they start singing. Yeah. So So things are not quite okay there. Right. Which was like, oh, okay. Now, apparently they went off to South Africa. I didn't realize that until much later. There's just like one line that says something about it. Okay. That's why I missed it. Sorry. Oops. No Um, worries. But, okay, they're married, great. They're unionized, great. Um, but now is when we come to people getting fired. Because apparently, senior members... Well, is it... I don't think it's... Yeah, I think we have Hughes School, right? Oh, you're right. Oh, my gosh. I can't there's skip over whole, Hughes School. Yes, there's this whole sequence that happens um, next... Oh, sorry. Going back to the wedding really quickly. Yeah. So there is a shot in the wedding, and this is what I was talking about with the foreground and the background. So as the carriage within Harid and her husband pull away, they're in the foreground, mm-hmm. you hit her stony face, and you see their carriage pull, and like, well, first behind them, you see the preacher come out of the rectory, mm-hmm. then you see the carriage pull away, and then you see him just like very sadly slowly walk back into the rectory, and it's just yeah. his silhouette. And I just, that's kind of what good. I mean where like... They use the foreground and the background really well, and they would just let shots linger because I feel like a lot of movies would have had, like, the carriage pulls away, or or no, he comes out, the carriage pulls away, and he's standing there cut to next scene, but they let it sit so you could see, like, the next reaction, and I really liked that. So now Hugh's school. Hugh apparently is smart. Thank you, Griffith, for helping coach him through the entrance exams, which again... Teaching him math. There's a great scene. The mother is like, why would you fill a bathtub with holes in it? Because they're doing a volume question. (laughs) That's like, if there is a tub and you're filling it at this rate and there's a hole in the tub that's leaking at this rate, like... It that cracked me up though. Yeah, that was, she, her whole thing. Well, it keeps coming up too, where yep. she is like holes and tubs. <laughs> oh, and decimals. That's the other yes. one. But this leads to some heartbreaking scenes for me because you have Hugh, who's from a working class family, first from his town apparently to go to this fancy school. 
he well, walks and it's, in it's late. It's a state school too. Like it's, you know, it's not a private school. It is like a state run school, yeah. but like that's still like a huge deal. Exactly. And it's like the next valley over. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And of course he has to walk. Like, yeah. So he gets there late and he, he has mud there. on his shoes and this asshole of a teacher, teacher who oh at first I was like, I like you. And then I was like, no, I don't oh, like you. I, the minute I saw that character, I was like, I'm not going to like you, am I? <laughs> and then I was like, yep. But basically he gets bullied. His pencil box gets broken up. He gets beaten up. And that's when we get to meet Maggie's favorite character, the, the boxer. Bo- I can say my favorite, but maybe. He might um, be. He's good. But this is where when he, he comes home, his father's like, you're going to get paid for every little bruise that you get because you're going to be toughened up. And I'm going to support you defending yourself, which I was like, okay, that's well, like very Well, then the mom was school. also like, let's not encourage him to fight. Yeah. But then they call the boxer and he learns yeah. how to box. Well, I think it's I think it's the brother goes and gets the boxer yes. like when he sees it happen. And I like that the thing, no, this is later when the brothers kind of give him a choice. Never mind. Oh, yeah, you're good. Okay. But then you get to the next scene at school where Hugh is schooling his bully in how to actually fight. <laughs> yeah, and it's that, that but, good old 19th century boxing, which I yes, love. Yes, with like the fists up in the air. I, and, oh. I took a seminar in that once. It was so much fun. Um, um, but this also was infuriating to me because you saw Hugh get punished for fighting when his well, bully did not. Well, this is interesting, though, because that mean, awful teacher comes out and basically looks at the other kid who was so much bigger than Hugh too. So this was previously the same bully and they were boxing. He looks at the other kid and he was like, you know, make a table, make a table that that he is then going to bend Hugh over with and like beat him on the back and backside with this cane basically, or quote cane him. And this Um, looked like a hefty, hefty cane. Yes. Well, the other kid, like the previous bully refuses to do it because there is, and you see this after like as you know, another kid gets called over to make a table mm-hmm. and he was getting caned. That one little girl who was like nice and from the beginning comes up and gives him a handkerchief to bite on. And the previous bully is like, hang in there. Like you can see that he has won the respect of right. his peers. And, but then you see the teacher literally beat him till he passes out. Yeah. But then, then we get this like slightly comedic, but also I felt like Hugh gets home and they're like, who the hell did this well, to you? I, there is an interesting part here where, and again, coming of age movie, so mm-hmm. kind of part of the growing up, where yes, the older brothers are like, we'll take care of this. And he's like, don't. And basically, they kind of give him a choice. They're like, if you want us to, mm-hmm. we will basically go beat the crap out of this teacher. He's- Do you want us to? And Hugh mm-hmm. kind of may- gets to make the decision of how he wants it to be handled. And this is the granted. It doesn't quite get handled the way he wants well, it to. But I mean, you have the boxer and his friend come in and beat the living daylights out of the oh, teacher. Oh, it's great! And it was comedic and it was satisfying. Yes, it so... was. And some of the kids had huge smiles on their faces. Yes. <laughs> that one girl goes out to tattle though, and I'm like, sit, sit down. You'll enjoy it anyway. That I I did like that because now this is the second choice that Hugh has had to make. So the first one you could argue was his choice to walk. That yeah. the um preacher was like okay you have his, to choose to or do his it. choice not to give up hope yeah yeah and now it's his choice to be the bigger person even if circumstances outside of his control meant that the teacher still got his comeuppance which right. i'm not mad at which um, his face too and the boxer shows up at school and he's like oh god no. we know what's happening <laughs> um but yeah that was that was a good development for hugh in that and i i really enjoyed yeah, it but then you know hugh gets a third choice 
and that is whether or not to continue school. And he doesn't. And no, I was like, he wants God to go into the mind like his father and his brothers. And there's an, an interesting sort of difference between the mom and the father because I at this point have the other two brothers left yet? No, okay. they, they haven't gotten but fired two, yet. But two of the brothers have left for America and yep. that really hit the mom hard and everything. So she's like, you know, if he doesn't want to go to school, he doesn't want to go to school. Like what uses bathtubs with holes in them and yeah. decimals anyway. And the, the father is of course like, <laughs> yeah, the father is like, you could be a lawyer, you could be a doctor, like this is your future, Hugh, yeah. and, but I'll let you make the choice which I think is another interesting thing is that he still lets Hugh make the choice. You know, again, it's uh, part of growing up. But he knows up. that he's going to not. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And the father is so heartbroken over it. Understandably. Um, yeah. But Hugh decides to go into the mine. Yeah. This is kind of, we I got think, some gorgeous scenes down there with the him. last bit of innocence. Yeah. Which I, the oldest brother is dead at this point, right? He died in yes, a mine accident, which did. I was like, Hugh, when your brother's already died in a mine accident, I would, not nah, be signing up for the mine if I yeah. were you. But hey, there it is. Actually, yeah. no, I think he signs up and then, and then the brother he dies and he's like, oh, well, guess I'm signed up. Yeah. Um, but. That, oh, yeah, because then he goes and lives at Bronwyn's house because yes, to help she, support Bronwyn. she has a young child, but mm-hmm. like is also talks about being so lonely without having yeah. her husband there. And I was like, this is why women should be allowed to have jobs well, and careers. Yeah. Be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So, but in the same scene, so we get all of these really well shot vignettes down in the mine mm-hmm. with Hugh, where he has is pushing this cart. His face is lit really Ew, well so with the lanterns. So down there. Oh, it was it was great. Mm-hmm. I love the way they shot all those. Um, and you see him get his first payment, and he's like super excited, and like I'm going to support the family. But in the same breath, the two older brothers that are still there, mm-hmm. and the father is the father let go. Yeah. Okay. They all get cut. Because they're too expensive. And it was interesting hearing the pay rates because you could hear them get paid like orders of magnitude more than mm-hmm. everyone else. Well, so and it's like, it, uh. it kind of calls back to that line when there was the first fight between the father and the sons about forming a union and the first pay cut. And the father says, you know, there will always be good wages for good workers. Yep. And apparently not. Nope. Also, don't they have a union? Can't they? Anyway. Well, I, I mean, at that point... I don't know how strong, like it depends on how strong their union was, you yeah. know, and like a precursor to them going away again as well. Yeah. So the two eldest brothers leave. No, the father isn't fired. Then why was he? So there's a scene where he's sitting at home at the table with mom and Hugh comes home from the mine. So yeah, I thought he wasn't he was on shift go. because otherwise oh, how does he okay. die in an accident? You're right. You're so right. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, I had the same thought too. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> but yeah. So again, scattered to the winds and that's when we get this really touching scene with hugh pointing out on a map where all of the kids are and uh, the mother is just distraught over this she's like my family is everywhere i know where they are but for all i care yeah the father's like you know where they are and she's like i but i can't see them like, exactly yeah because of course in that day especially if you are of a working class like if you're you can't travel like, yeah you're not traveling they don't facetime they don't yeah. email they don't calling phones that's the word mail they don't have phones <laughs> calling calling well i mean i well, guess they did have they probably I mean, did have phones but like they would try have and a make phone. a call across the atlantic at that point yeah i so, mean well like you i guess you could have sent a telegram but like yeah. they they wouldn't have necessarily had access to communications like that 
yeah, it was it was not good. It was letters. But then we move into a scene where um, uh, Angervard. And hard. And Anghard. I cannot. And hard. Anghard. Uh, I practiced this last I night did, too. Apparently and I'm barely didn't. hanging in there. Um, we see Hugh visit her at her home, and it's really interesting to see the servants serve her and she's like kind of like i'm uncomfortable and she was like oh this line about the new sheets is that the one Mm -hmm. and the pouring the tea like the also okay i just this would make me uncomfortable too right like so the person comes up so like the housekeeper comes in to like and she's like going to pour the tea and like pulls up a chair to the table between her and hugh which first she's pulling over the table and she's an older woman and hugh goes to help and And she looks at him like it's weird yeah but he's helping her and then, yeah, and then she, like, pulls up a chair to sit with them while they converse and pour their tea. And I'm like, that's weird. And that's when Angharid puts her foot down. Yeah, and, and like, she's like, I will I'll pour, pour the, the tea. tea. And she's like, <gasps> I've always line. poured, like, the old mistress's tea. And a new mistress, like, mistress is like a set of sheets. It's a bit stiff, but washings to come. I wanted to be like, uh. cool, then you should go find a new mistress somewhere else because this is my house, bitch, back down. Seriously. And then she goes and fucking gossips about the I divorce know. to the other servant. I was like, like what, did, what did this woman ever do to you? She didn't I was having like Rebecca flashbacks. Yes. Yes. I got that heavily. Okay, Mrs. Danvers. But yeah, I was not a fan. Yeah, no. But yeah, so then of course... And Harid like is trying wants to ask about Griffith, but like won't initially come out and say it. So she's just like, "How are all the people we grew up with?" And Mm -hmm. he's kind of like going down the list, and this is the most I think we've ever heard Hugh say (laughs) in one sitting. Um, But he says something about Griffith, Mm -hmm. basically kind of like confirming he's still not married. Yep, Um, because he like kind of knows what Anne Harid wants to hear, but. won't quite straight ask and then she like asks a question about it and i can't remember what hugh says that kind of makes her angry or no that's earlier he says something that makes her angry and she like kind of sends him away and then the tea comes in and she apologizes but i can't remember what he says yeah i don't i i don't quite remember Um, but but anyway the housekeeper then starts gossiping about how yes she's definitely having an affair with this preacher around the town the marriage isn't going good and divorce which of course at that time would have still been a huge yes. deal and this is where we learn that Enghard apparently is now going to be a subject which, okay of so one i of those have Deacon's an argument sorry yes but i loved that in this the family except for hugh refuses to go to this chapel meeting mm-hmm. at all i think and hugh kind of says he'll go like almost is like I'll, I'll let you know what happens exactly yeah but then you get this amazing speech by yeah, Griffith. Yeah, because the deacons are going to talk about Anharid. Mm-hmm. And Griffith's because like... it's their business. Also, like, I just, sorry, yeah. I got so many, no. so many things where I'm like, this is an unconfirmed rumor from Mrs. Danvers. And, like, don't believe her because she's, like, Mrs. Danvers. And exactly. it's none of your business. Also, like, the whole thing is, like, nothing has actually happened. Mm-hmm. That we know of, but it, I'm even if sure it had it has, happened, I'm we don't sure, even care. Right, exactly. But it, like, I'm also, it's none of the deacon's business. Um, but I'm also pretty sure that like, like they hadn't seen each other since yeah. like sh- her wedding day, probably when mm-hmm. she left the church, like, which also can we talk about how heartbreaking it was that he would have had to perform the ceremony. Yeah. I don't yeah. oof, don't want to do it, but but this speech I love it because he's like you come and dress your hypocrisy in black, and mm-hmm. you're like 
claim to be pious and then you throw out people of the community. Yeah. I love it. Basically, it's the idea where he is like, who are you to be the judge of like other people's morality? It's the whole like, uh, you who have not sinned cast the first stone. Yeah. And basically he's saying like, you know, if anyone in this room would be a judge of the morality of this town, it's me. And like, here's where I stand on things like that, where like, you can't judge people based on like these super harsh rules. You have to love people and you have to see them as human. And I really loved that. And it, I, I really liked Griffith's character because it was such a progressive feeling for a not super progressive time. Agreed. Well, and I love how he does a mic drop and walks out is basically what he does. Yeah, he's well, basically he's and, leaving. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm leaving. This is the last thing I'll say in the church yeah. is how he starts that. And it he ends it as he's walking out the oh, door. So it's good. so great. And then Hugh gets him I to know, leave I was after so him. Happy. <laughs> and the sniveling guy is like, Hugh Morgan, we're still having a meeting. Sit down. And he just kinda like See ya. stares at him as he leaves. And I love it. It was great. Yeah. And then they have a really sweet scene with Griffith leaving in the, I assume, the parsonage. Um, mm-hmm. And you see him that he's writing a letter to Angharad that he apparently doesn't end up sending, it looks mm-hmm. like. But it, oh, it was so sweet. But then you have the final horrible, terrible tragedy. Yeah, so as, as kind of he's packing and talking to Hugh, the alarms go off for the mine yes. again. And, you know, we'd previously had like a couple mine accidents, like the one where mm-hmm. the eldest brother died. This one, it looks like the mine's it's on exploded. fire. Yeah, but I loved the sound design in this scene because the whistle you had going almost constantly mm-hmm. for a set amount of time. And that was one of the most unsettling sounds for me in the entire film. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, something bad has happened. And you see this giant fireball come out of the mine, which I was mm-hmm. like, okay, that's some cool special effects. Um, hearkening back to you, you can't take it with you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe not as fun, but... You get really awesome scenes with the elevator coming up, and you get to see. So the we had seen that off. multiple times mm-hmm. with multiple, not even just multiple accents, but even like after Hugh's first day in the mine and stuff, where the way they would shoot this elevator is it was like a multi-tiered elevator, mm-hmm. um, and they would shoot it usually. It would swap between behind it and like head on. Yep. And it would just be like held at ground level. The camera was at ground level, and you would just have like the different levels coming up into view. Yeah. Um, and I liked every time that was shot, but well, and the best time, part was when it came up empty because yes. the father had not made it out yet. Well, a lot of, I think of like several it people was a lot had of it people. and it's like, so you get the first tier of it and some people get off and they're like, where's so-and-so and they're like, we think they're still down there. And then it's, you have like, I think like three empty tiers. Yeah. And of course the whole family's there like in hard, you see her running across like the slag mm-hmm. heaps to get it there too, because she heard the whistle. Um, Oh, pandemonium it was yeah and so basically they're like well who's gonna go down there and look for morgan and griffith hugh and the boxer the boxer boxer, who who, who was blind he couldn't was he blind yes okay i was like is the boxer blind or just drunk i can't tell probably both i thought (laughs) blind or drunk um (laughs) because yeah because when hugh sits down next or next to him he kind of like yeah hugh is his eyes face yeah, he was acting yeah. as his eyes. Um, but I love the line right before he does that where they're like, who will go in? And he goes, and he kind of like looks at his friend or in the direction of his friend. Yeah. And his one friend goes, tis a coward I am, but I will hold your coat. And I just oh. love that line <laughs> so much. 
And so after that, we get into the mine yeah. and there's this, I got chills when <sighs> Hugh yelled out Dada in the mine and it yeah. just echoes and echoes and echoes through this empty space. And it happens like a couple times. Oh God. It was so great. It was so well shot to you. And I started, God, I cried during this bit too. Cause he finds his dad and his dad's like pinned by a yeah, rock, he, which he I have no not, idea how they later got that rock well, off of him. And also got how was he alive? Up. In the beginning, because he was a little bit alive. Well, I have a dollop episode. He was you maimed. Listen. I have a dollop episode you should listen to about someone who got stuck in a cave um, and survived for quite a while. Maybe I don't want to go caving anymore. <laughs> I, I don't want to because I'm claustrophobic anyway. But yeah, watching this, really don't want so, to. Um, but anyway, but yeah, so he's pinned by this gigantic mm-hmm. rock and he and Hugh get to have like a little bit of a moment mm-hmm. before he dies. But and when they bring the him up. Oh, the line about my father lives on. It, it's like people like my father never die. He lives on in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then it's, oh, I'll pull it, hold on. I'll pull it up um, and we'll read the exact line that it ends on. But also just kind of to note before they go down and hard seeds, yeah. the Griffiths going down there and they like kind of hold hands as the elevator goes yeah, down. That's right. And I love that, especially because it's like, so in the face of the town that it's like, who cares? You yeah. know, like in the in the moment when like it really counts, like who cares? Exactly. So, um, but people like my father never die is how that line started. Yeah, um, I'm I'm trying to find it. Oh, here we are. I think men like my father cannot die. They are with me still, real in memory as they were in flesh, loving and beloved forever. How green was my valley then? Ugh. And it ends so on good, the- so good. So, but I like that you have kind of the sadness of the father dying, which mm-hmm. I think is also kind of emblematic of like this wider changing, well, shifting and your childhood world. is now gone. Yeah, the child, like that, is the last shred of mm-hmm. Hugh's childhood. Um, but there is kind of this little bit of hope within Hart and the preacher, and kind of we'll see them getting to see each. In my mind, it works out, Ian. <laughs> but no, I. Ultimately, even even though in the beginning I was like, eh, about this, I really liked the way that it ended. Okay, like, so I really think that's a, that's a good segue into rankings, probably. Yes, I agree. So, I'm really struggling with this one because I think I want to... Uh, for me, I think it comes after You Can't Take It With You, which is my sixth place, and before Mutiny on the Bounty, which is my seventh place. So it's your new number seven. It is my new number seven. Okay. So what were what were the things that kind of drove that decision? So mutiny loved it, then hated it. Yeah. So it's like it left me on a sour note. I don't think it it didn't build to something that seemed mm-hmm. bigger than itself. Yeah. Like the way this movie did. Now you can't take it with you. Was just delightful, <laughs> and I'm sorry, but delightful movies like that are going to win out over <laughs> these weightier films in my book, almost consistently especially because i would argue that that's hilarious acting... because all quiet on the western front is still your number one okay but uh, to a point, to a point. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i i don't know that's that's, no, that's, how that's I feel. good reasons um so. so i'd agree like i don't think it was a flawless movie like i said i wanted marina hair to get a little bit more i thought that there was over narration at the beginning and like there's Absolutely. some of the pacing that i think i think the pacing could have been a little bit tighter but in general, I really liked this one. 
Like I thought the cinematography was beautiful. I liked the performances. I liked the characters. I liked yes. that. I, I like a good coming of age story. And I liked that there were kind of these wider, like social, economic and political things that were yeah. going on in the background around this family. And I think kind of, cause you know, we briefly, I think mentioned that it was probably most closely related to cavalcade in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. But I think kind of, what I would put as the real difference here is that like one, you actually had like good character yes. building and two was that it wasn't, it wasn't passive. Yes. Like it focused on the family's events, yeah, not even the if, world Even events. if it's not like necessarily like the family's fault that like the first pay cut happens, like they decide to do something about it. like the brothers unionize and then the father yeah. has a reaction to that. And then that affects things. Like it was very character driven, which I love. Um, so it's actually going in as my number five. Oh, wow. Yeah. After Rebecca and before Grand Hotel. Well, Miss Danvers, you didn't have a good Miss Danvers replacement. So <laughs> I, that one housekeeper tried, man. She tried. Not well enough. Apparently no. she's just mediocre at everything. No, I mean, Rebecca's 37 Rebe- years, just a, Maggie, 37 years I'm, with this family. Well, she can go start 37 <laughs> more somewhere else. Not in my house. Um, but yeah, I, I know Rebecca was just, it's a tighter movie overall. Yeah, I, think. I agree. So, um, but yeah, I actually really, really enjoyed this one. I did in the end. Good, because <laughs> your texts after were I got not over complimentary it, so. at the beginning. And so with that. Yeah, so this was how green is was how green was my valley. It was pretty great and green. <laughs> okay, I was about to be mill. like, that's that's not the title again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so pretty green. So that's it for this one. Next time we're doing Mrs. Miniver, I think. It is the fifteenth winner. Okay. Anyway, so Thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram. We're at Best Pictures Pod on both of those. You can email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. And please, um, you know, rate, subscribe, review, uh, especially uh, rate and review. That is how other people will find us. Um, And yeah, I think that's it. And with that, I'm Ian and that is Maggie. (laughs) And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. See ya.